Seven songs tell us the story of this land circled by sea, where our fathers learned from their fathers our place in history. Cast our nets deep in the water. Cast our nets deep in the green. There's no hand reaching across this water. We are tired and hungry. I can hear the whistle through the window. I can feel the boats at sea. Seven songs tell us the story. We shall always be welcome to Boise song talk I'm James Coberly Smith tonight we are on location in the beautiful rugged mountains of Idaho I once asked tonight's guest are you a songwriter a storyteller a folk singer, an author, what are you? She said, all of that. To find out what she means, let's go over and meet tonight's special guest, the legendary two-time Grammy nominee, Rosalie Sorrells. <laughs> Rosalie Sorrells, thank you for having us into your beautiful cabin. Greatly appreciated. Mm. What I was hoping to talk about tonight, my friend, is your family history and the love of words. And since this cabin is a big part of your family history, I thought we'd start right there. What can you tell us about this place? Well, my grandfather uh, bought the, the piece of land before I was born. and, and I'm, Really pushing 80. <laughs> I'm going to be 79 on my next birthday, but I'm going to skip that part because uh, 80 is much more interesting to oh, me. Yeah. <laughs> it's a nice round number. It is very nice. Yeah. And um, then your father actually built this place? No, my grandfather. Oh, your grandfather. Yeah. When, when uh, he, he first built, he, he, my father built this place, but my grandfather built the, the cabin uh -huh. that was here. When, right. And when I was a child, I lived in that. This place didn't exist then. Like my, oh. dad, my dad built it after my grandfather died. 
but the whole thing is organic. It's uh, all made out of, I mean, he cut all the logs here, and he, and he uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's a whole family project that's, mm -hmm. that's just uh, existed, and, and I, I ended up being the one who gets to live along with it, because everybody else is gone now. <laughs> gotcha. But I have children that come along here. <laughs> I didn't know before that you actually lived in the other location. I on did. This. I oh. was. Oh no, I was a little bitty kid. That's that's. I spent most of my time uh, uh, that I wasn't with my my dad. My dad built highways, uh -huh. and uh, and we went with him when he did that. So when I was a little kid, I lived in all these different places. Uh, uh, with my dad and my mother as we went around. We had a home in, in Boise that we lived in. But this was the heart of the whole place. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's, that's what I remember. Hmm. And now I, I get to live with my memory. It's so beautiful. It's like seven or ten acres or something? It's, uh... There were t ten acres. There's, uh, no, there were, I think there were 14 acres. And, and they sold off a little of it when uh. they needed the money, but, uh, but they kept the, there's about seven acres left now, yeah. The original part where you grew up, did it get washed away? Yeah, there was a there was a hell of a flood. I mean, it was <laughs> it just it completely demolished the the other place, and uh, uh, we tried to rebuild it, and and finally it was just not possible. And then Dad Dad built this by the by the time uh, I mean he, he was dead set on being up here, and, and mm -hmm. so was I. Wow. <laughs> I'm so, yeah. I'm so happy to, uh, I, I mean, I practically remember the, the setting of each stick and stone. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, and I don't think very many people get to be that close to where they live anymore, mm -hmm. you know, uh, un unless they uh, unless they live in, a, in another time and place. But I, I thought I'd just re read you a couple of just a little bit. This is my mother's book. My, oh, okay. my mother sure. was a book person. We'll go right to that. She uh, okay. she worked at the uh, the bookshop down in Boise. Okay. And uh, and she wrote this uh, for for herself to begin with, but uh, it's uh, it's made some lasting impression on a lot of people who care about stuff. Like I that. love it. She says April. Laughing her girlish laughter is upon me. The water is completely gone from the basement. Old Grimes is still threatening the lane. That's the name of the creek we're on, Grimes Creek. Old Grimes is still threatening the lane, and I park my car outside the gate lest I get trapped by a sudden surge of water. April is also the month my Social Security payments begin. Such a lovely little brown paper envelope, meaning indeed to me security i remember other days in the raw new land of south idaho it was shove and scrape and if you had bad luck or lost your strength you were done for i was raised in mortal fear of disability or some natural disaster we walked a thin tight rope with no net 
two years of crop failures could wipe out the savings of 10 years. And that, of course, was part of the reason for large families. More hands to work the land, someone to help you when your strength was going. Children were sometimes your only security against dying in a ditch. There was no cushion. Carry on. Read that whole dang thing, please. I remember the bewildered old ladies, widows who had lost their husband and whose small hoard of savings had been swept away by illness or death. Sometimes they had no one left to turn to, and then it was the county poor farm with bare, endless corridors, echoing board floors, cheerless charity. Sometimes they had children or relatives who took them in and sheltered them, but the extra mouth was a burden, and they knew it. Old ladies sitting in the far corner of the room when company came, Thinning hair dragged back into a tight bun, knobby hands folded in apron laps. Soft, list slippers slit to ease the painful bunions. Apologetic, silent, arthritically awkward, or dredging from one task to another, pathetically anxious to please a harried daughter-in-law. Relics, they called them, flotsam from an earlier culture, bleached, dry, juiceless, helpless. Women who had once been strong and beautiful and suffered from that memory. Please finish. I love it. Then were the ones, there were the ones who still had a measure of strength but were trapped in that dreadful bind that women were trapped in so little time ago. Not enough education to teach, too old to be a clerk or a waitress. There was little other opportunity. Poverty was a sandpit and they could not scale the walls. They fought sometimes gallantly, sometimes bitterly, but mostly they lost. Their lives subsided into an empty, endless waiting. Even when their families cared for them and kept them safe, they still lacked their independence. And for as much as your people care for you and you for them, absolute financial dependence is a terrible, crippling thing. Social Security helped to change that, gave the elder, elderly a measure of dignity, not to have to ask for little things, silly little things that made you remember you were still a woman. To be able to buy a lipstick, to ease your drying skin with a pot of cream, and a small but solid contribution to the monthly bills, enough so you could have a room of your own. With luck, a place of your own. Here in my mountains, I am remarkably fortunate. Living is cheap. I have seven acres of room. 
room for dignity and freedom. Privacy, to cry when I am sad, and to dance when I am gay. It all comes in that little brown paper wrapper, and it lets me spit in anybody's eye. That's written. Oh, it is such high octane writing. She was good. She was doing good. Not only that, she could oh. sell books better than anybody. Oh. She read everything. <laughs> that just kills me. The first time I came up and visited you, you read that to me, and I was just spellbound. I couldn't believe the power of that. And I still can't. Um, um, it, I appreciate you reading it for many reasons. One, that it shows what a, a, a powerful writer your mother was. And this is this element that you have taken on so well, this, this power of words. <laughs> you are a master storyteller. I have seen you. It's all throughout your, this huge body of work of yours. But it's interesting to see it come down from your mother. In fact, people should look for that book and, mm -hmm. and read the whole dang thing. <laughs> the great thing for me, I'll just borrow that for a second. No, I'll give it back. Okay. Come on, I'll let, give it let, back. Let me mark. Okay, we're, in, we're having a fight now. <laughs> this, this book, Report from Grimes Creek After a Hard Winter by Nancy Stringfellow, is uh, Rosalie's mother. But you saw the power of the reading and look how it's, it's more like poetry. You should check this out. Look for it. I love it. Because you know, some of the other books we're going to look at here are big and thick, and they take a long time to read, but that thing is a killer. All right, now. Now, wait, I can't let you read anymore there, because I have to ask now, because I have a curiosity. <laughs> there is something that your mom used, and it was called Rosalie Sauce. What's Rosalie Sauce? Cayenne pepper <laughs> and sweet and sour. <laughs> well, I I read I found it somewhere quoted where she had said um, uh, uh, it is Rosalie sauce is made of wine, honey, and cayenne like my Rosalie's voice. <laughs> That's what she said. She was talking about your amazing voice. And I thank you for reading that, too, because... Okay, you, but you, I want to read this, too. You want to read I? more? Yes. Hey, who am I? Go ahead. Well, I'm Rosalie, and you this is called be. Song for Daughters. I'd love she to hear She only had one daughter. No making any mistakes. Oh, all right, then. All right, mind. then. <laughs> Sing your songs to keep away the dark. Draw the curtains. Light the fire. The candles glimmer and perfume of pine and roses fills the room. Outside the cold stars shine. The books you loved are waiting on the shelves. The wine is poured, the table set. The curtains drawn across the pane keep out the sound of wind and rain. Outside the cold stars shine. But the wind is rising and you've got to go. Clouds are running races in the sky, the treetops toss, the wind is riding high, the stars are calling, calling. 
No arms can hold you in a warm embrace. The place you want is not this place. You want the winds of time against your face. You want the wild rain falling. Outside the cold stars shine, and you are theirs, not mine. Your mother's father used to pay her a small stipend if she could speak some Shakespeare or poetry or something. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Me too. <laughs> you too? <laughs> Shoot. See, the bad, this is the other part of this. That, and, and didn't he, he would even, her mother's father, your grandfather, would, would even curse the horses and stuff in Shakespearean language. That's right. The devil damn thee black the cream-faced loom. <laughs> see, see, <laughs> see, this is a it's this this is the awareness of words that I was talking about in this. The, uh, because as we go through uh, 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 different episodes and we talk about things, it'll be so clear and as people study your body of work, they will see what a master of words you are. And I was interested to, to trace where it came from. That's, I, my, I don't think my grandparents talked Shakespeare to me. Maybe they did. I wasn't paying attention, probably. Um, when you were a young girl at school, in third grade, I had read that you had very high reading skill scores. Twelfth grade. Twelfth grade? All right, I was reading a Studs Terkel article, and he said that you had great scores in third grade, and some of the older girls decided that they wanted to come to you and say, you're being too smart or something. You got money for, uh, for certain uh, skills in repeating things and stuff like that, and they, they thought I, I always made all the money because I could remember everything, so they thought they would, they, were, they pushed me down in the dirt and t took my glasses away from me and, and told me I couldn't have them back unless I promised not to do that anymore. Not to be so smart, huh? Mm -hmm. But I, I kind of read that uh, there were a few of them and you kind of took care of them. I did. That's what I heard. <laughs> That's what I read. You kind of took care of them. My father taught me how to go hunting and fishing and uh, uh, skin uh, of deer. Uh, oh, yeah, lucky right? I didn't get around to that part. <laughs> <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't skin them. Thank heavens for that. What restraint. But they you were much were, younger they, than them. They, I was eight. They were all uh, three or four years older than me, and they came, and they came, five of them came. Right. And uh, I put one of them in the hospital, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm trying to get along with you tonight. <laughs> all right, here's another interesting thing. Tell, tell us about your desire to be an actress. Oh, yeah, I always wanted to be an actress. I guess I am, really, anyway. But uh, I, wanted, I wanted to be in, in plays and, and, and maybe movies, you know, mm -hmm. but plays more. And, uh, Did you do some of that in school? Yeah. Yeah? Although I got over wanting to do it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Why? Why? What didn't attract you to it? No, no, it didn't work like that. I got oh. married and had a whole lot of children, oh. Oh. and it oh. seemed very practical oh. to me. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Yes, the reality. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I actually feel like I've I've 
accomplished everything in my life that I that I really wanted to do, but I didn't know what it was exactly uh -huh. when I was thinking that way. Uh-huh. Early on... I loved having children. <laughs> yeah, well, very good. Um, you have a, uh, a song, actually a phenomenal song, um, called Baby Rocking Medley. I mean, I'm just jumping to that now um, because you're talking about your children. And the liner notes from Baby Rocking Melody, um, medley. W w medley, I'm sorry, was, and it's taken, by the way, from an one of Rosalie's many albums, many albums. There's between 20 and 30, I don't know, I'm, we'll, f we'll figure it out. Uh, there's a Baby in the House is the name of the album. And there is no, a... Oh, be careful, there's a oh, baby in the house. <laughs> so sorry. All right. You can't mess that up. <laughs> I just showed you I can. I'm highly capable of this type of mess up. Um, baby Rocking Medley. On the liner so notes, it said, you said, To me, a song becomes a folk song when you can use it in your daily life as a tool to help you get on with it. It also said that the benevolent baby rocking song in the medley was based on the 19th century poem I learned from Olive Woolley Burt, American Murder Ballads and Their Stories. Now, when I see you say, based on, you then, what does that mean? You, you're such a historian, you took that, that folk song, the Oliver... Bert, Willie Bert, Bert, and you, how did you reconfigure that into what you did? What was the process? I mean, it it wasn't identical to what he had. <sighs> Who knows, huh? Do you, do you know what the folk process is? No, tell me. Well, it's uh, when un unschooled people take things from their memory and their home that they've grown up with, like I grew up with a million books. Mm -hmm. my, mother, my mother ran that bookshop for 20 years, and, and on this whole shelf over there, it's gone. I, I sold that shelf, or that s bunch of shelves, and that bunch of shelves. And, I mean, this whole place was just lined with books. We didn't need mm -hmm. any... Uh, any uh, what do you call it when you when you make the the wall proof against cold? Oh, insulation. Insulation. There yes. you go. There <laughs> it was insulated go. with books. Yes. Yeah, so that's yeah. what I'm trying to say. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> we didn't need any insulation. And uh, and uh, so you would find it, something like that. This this um, olive. Willie Burt, American Murder Ballads and Stories, you would read that and then you reinterpret it into this... No, uh, no. Willie Burt was a friend of mine. Oh. <laughs> we, oh. we, we, she, I, didn't, I didn't have to get it that way. I actually, uh, she, she was a very old lady and I was, I was always attracted to old ladies, so that's probably why I'm living so long. I'm trying to become attractive. <laughs> Hang in there. You're still too young. You don't she qualify. She was almost 100 when she died. Oh, see? <laughs> and see? We, went, we went on tours together, Olive and I. And I, I mean, I got that straight, like, like, a, like a blood transfusion. <laughs> you know, you, you went, uh, in Salt Lake you mentioned before, you actually studied um, 
song folklore and song collecting I did. in Salt Lake. Mm -hmm. Tell us what that was like. What, what inspired you to do that? Well, uh, I mean, I already had a lot of it in, in my, just from my family. There, there was a, a great uh, uh, admiration for the, the oral transmission uh, in, in my family. Mm -hmm. that, that was a, a, as good a method as reading a book, as far as we were concerned. If you could get it, in fact, better, you could get it from the source. And uh, I got told, I got read to, to when I went to bed from the time I can remember. And I had, you know, I probably could remember more than most people until I started getting older. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, I, also, I also read, I, I had a voracious love of books and, mm -hmm. and uh, but but I also loved the the process of oral transmission and and yeah. when I discovered what that meant in terms of folklore studies and things like that then I I got obsessed with it and I and I read everything I could find about it and I went out and collected songs and stories from perfectly nice old people who were minding their own business mm -hmm. out in the forest mm -hmm. and I said mm -hmm. give me your songs and stories mm -hmm. <laughs> Or you're dead, you know. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and, and they were always happy to uh, participate <laughs> in that process. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, you have a, a, speaking of family history and words and all this, you have a, um, a song about Bells of Ireland that, that uh, once again sort of tells about the history of your family and things. Um, we're getting toward the end of the show. Before we have you sing a little of that, Rosalie, if I could ask you, if someone uh, wanted to become a better storyteller, would you have any short piece of advice for a, a storyteller? What makes a good storyteller? Well, you have to you have to love the the process, and it it has to be uh, spontaneous. Mm -hmm. That would be it. The, the the song actually is a description of what it is, I think. Mm -hmm. In fact, why don't you sing us? Could you please some sure. of that? Uh, I love that song. And uh, thank you so much for coming. Real pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yes. These are the bells of Ireland that in my garden grow. My great-grandmother brought those seeds from Ireland long ago. Music, it is wild and sad, like orphan angels sing. And you must listen in your soul to hear the bells of Ireland ring. I've never been to Ireland, though I sing of the cool green shores. And I dream I must have lived there some century before. And I'll weep for the blood and the troubles, and I'll tend my garden well. Let the sweet green bells of Ireland outring the bells of hell. And these are the bells 
of Ireland and in my garden grow my great-grandmother Brussels